When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am tremendously excited to welcome my dear friend, longtime colleague, Maria Brady. And let me tell you a little bit about Maria. She is fondly called a ray of sunshine, this successful businesswoman, author, and certified energy codes coach. She shines her light to inspire others. Her positivity and resilience alone with managing a life-threatening illness propelled her to launch an inspirational website and gift line. So today we are going to hear about her energizing story, how she consistently decides to choose happiness and in all things pays the price of leadership. Maria, I am so excited to reconnect with you on this podcast. I am so honored and thrilled to be here. I have followed you, everything that you've done over the years. So gracious, so kind to include me here today. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. And you've always been such a supporter to our listeners out there. We met at Jim Toner, if you're listening, we were at a convention (laughs) right when I first got back to run the business back in 2009 or 2010. So a long time ago, and we were at this speaking event, Jim Toner invited us, and that's where we connected. And we have just stayed in touch ever since then and just shared. She's going to share a lot about her story and her continued connection to tremendous people and tremendous books. So Maria, tell us a little bit about, you're an entrepreneur. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneur of all (laughs) stages and ages of life. Tell me about your lineage as an entrepreneur. Wow. So really cool story. My grandfather in 1916, he was 16 years old, stowed away on a boat from Italy to come to the United States. And he worked in the coal mines near McKeesport, Pennsylvania, and then went on to get married started a restaurant with his wife, had my father and my father and mother owned a restaurant and the entrepreneurial bloodline just continues with myself. And also my daughter, Rachel is now an entrepreneur selling jewelry and helping me in my marketing business. So it's just a little genetic code, I think. I love it. Well, isn't that beautiful? And you know what? I grew up with an entrepreneur, obviously. And I'm like, oh no, no, I'm going the other route. And after about 20 years, I'm like, oh no, no, no. I think you are coded and and yet, you know, a lot of our listeners out there, they've retired once, twice, sometimes thrice, and they're like, and now I'm free to serve. So I think everybody really has this innate entrepreneurial gene in them. And you have a beautiful story about how that kept propelling you. So first of all, tell me a little bit about this marketing company that you have. So the company name is Marae Kay, and I fused the first syllables of my name, Maria, with my daughters, Rachel and Kaylee. So Marae Kay. And started in 1996 with the internet just being launched. So some of you will remember that sound as you plugged in to connect. And so I started with a fax, a computer, two clients, left a great job in the banking field with benefits and all the bonuses of being an executive at a young age. But what was my priority? And it was being a mom. 
And there wasn't that flexible time in the workspace that you now have. So I like to think I was kind of a pioneer for the entrepreneurial world. So I launched it, have grown it, been blessed for 27 years this month in June. So they're grown now. Kaylee graduated with a master's degree, grandma, and so blessed. That's amazing. And for our listeners out there, you guys know we usually go loneliness, weariness, abandonment, vision. (laughs) But Maria and I talked, and because she's so tremendous... (laughs) Actually, I would do it for anybody, but I love that she said, let's start with vision because that's kind of where everything starts. And I really like that. So Maria, my father gave a speech decades, decades ago that still continues to be the most downloaded. And we have a little booklet in print called The Price of Leadership. And in it, he says that to truly be a leader and not just a leader in name only, one of the things that you are going to have to pay is you're going to have vision. You know, the Bible is very clear where there is no vision that people perish. So can you share with us what vision has meant for you throughout your journey, your leadership journey? And especially, you know, you've gone through some pretty high highs and some pretty low lows. What does that do to your vision? Thank you for leading this conversation with vision. I think that where you put your attention, energy grows. And I feel like it's so important to dream regardless of age. So when we're younger and you think about, oh, I want to go to college and I graduate and then I'm going to find my soulmate and I'm going to have children, I'm going to buy a house. So once you look back and you reflect and you're like, wow, like I've been so blessed with the realization of these dreams, you're like, what else is there to do? And I think that you can define the vision of your life at any time, at any stage, So it's very important to never stop dreaming and always embrace those dreams. And at this stage, you can dive into your hobby. You can write that book because your dad said one of the most profound things that I learned from you is your life is changed by the books that you read and the people that you meet. And it's so incredibly true. When you can pick up a book that inspires you and it resonates with you, you transform your own life and then you impact others. And so write a book, get a hobby. If you're called to open a business, do it. If you feel it, it's in your soul and it just needs to come out and be shared with other people. I mean, when I think about it, I was 55. I wrote a chapter in an award-winning book. I launched the website. I became a certified coach, took me 18 months while running a business full-time, while earning a certification at Chatham College. So you can never stop dreaming. Just do it. Do it. So important. I love that you linked vision to dreaming because we often don't think about it, but it is, there should be a wonderment and a joy about it that I think sometimes it's like, oh, vision, I got to be so driven and so focused. And yes, you do. But like you said, a lot of people now, we have authors in their 90s. Most of our listeners are 60 and above and they're like, now I'm free to serve. And their vision is the sky's the limit because they've built fortune and family. And now they're at a season of life where they are free to serve in their highest purpose. Not that the other ones weren't good, but it's a whole different thing as you're seeing and finding out. It truly, truly is. And I really believe that we're all here with a purpose and we should not allow fear to overcome sharing that divinity with others. And kind of happened to me in 2013, there was this unexpected path. I wasn't feeling well. And it was more than just the fatigue of managing a business, two teenage daughters. Sadly, my mom had dementia. So we were trying to take care of her outside of a facility. We're selling my childhood home, which was so stressful and incredibly sad. 
My mom was my best friend. And I just kept going to doctor after doctor. And finally, after much testing and a bone marrow, we found out I had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but it was a subset. It was really rare. It was called Waldenstrom's. So the doctor calls, it's October 29th, 2013. And he says, hey, you know, you have this, your life expectancy is five to seven years. And I was like, hmm, I will accept your diagnosis, but not the prognosis. Mm. I just believe that God is the only one who defines how long we are on the face of this earth. And honestly, it didn't fit in the vision of my life. I mean, I had kids that were going to graduate high school, college, get married. Like, no, I planned on being here to witness and partake in all that. And I just said no to that. And I credit my parents. They were very resilient and faithful. And they always said, like, you can define your future and there's a divine purpose. And I accepted this challenge. And I knew that there were lessons to be learned along the way. I weren't sure exactly what they were, but I didn't play a victim. I was just like, I'm going to be able to overcome this with a lot of faith. So kind of flash forward, it was six years before I even needed treatment. And I think it's God's will. And I think that it was a healthy lifestyle. So I had already surpassed that five-year mark that you so mm-hmm. delivered to me. Yeah. And yeah, I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. Okay. And can I ask you something? When we talk about, and I love that you brought this up because I know with entrepreneurs, okay, I know with everybody, I'm sorry, I don't mean to exclude people that work and get us our salaried. Okay. But when you get that tiredness, and I went through this about eight years ago where they kept saying, no, no, it's okay. And I'm like, I'm exhausted. And my father had chronic fatigue before people knew it was chronic fatigue. But in my case, my adrenal gland was shot. So I figured that out. But how did they find that? Did they find it in blood work? Was it a platelet count? Or because I mean, so much stuff, they're like, it's okay. And you go out through test after test and you just can't find. I want to encourage people that are out there, advocate for your health, because if you're not feeling strong, something's Mm -hmm. not right. Absolutely. And they kept telling me like, you're fine, because my CBC, which is your baseline blood count was normal. And I'm like, no, there is something wrong. Okay. There's a number called IgM and I forget what those initials stand for. That's okay. The IgM was really elevated. Like a person's normal reading would be 300. Mine was at that time, like 1200. So it was either multiple myeloma, which ironically my paternal grandmother had. And here I was almost the same age as her. Okay. And weird, but it was the IgM. And then from that, they were able to do additional testing and do the bone marrow. So did they have to go in and get your bone marrow to test it? Oh, yeah. Okay. And you said, though, you were fine. I was functioning. Did the symptoms subside or what happened? How'd you get like, I just kind of once I I kind of knew what it was and it was like, okay, well, I'm not really going to absorb that. Okay. So so knowledge is power, even Mm -hmm. just knowing what it is. You know, that's my thing. I don't care how bad the news is. I just have to know what it is because then I'll have a plan of attack or I I can process it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay. So real funny, funny story real quick. So mm -hmm. I had to go for my first bone marrow. I chose not to have any kind of sedation or even a relaxation because I had a big consulting gig that day that had been lined up. And so I just did it like 7 a.m. Went in, came home, got dressed had this cute little sweater dress on and you could see the pressure bandage on my back. And I was like, oh, this outfit looks so cute. I'm not changing. So I rip off my pressure bandage, put on a bunch of band-aids, 
and I leave. And so I worked like a 12 hour day that day. I just kept taking Advil. Like it was so painful, but that's the resilient thing. Like you just move on. (laughs) I love that you did that. You're like, you know what? This is what it is, but I'm going to power through this. And I love that you (laughs) kept your trust on. You're such a professional because what good just staying home going to do? Let's just get out. I'm like you. I work through pain, emotional, spiritual, physical. That's my healing is working movement, giving back, just laying home and recouping. That's not... (laughs) I agree. That's not good for me. Oh, wow. You even went way up in my book. I didn't know that story. You're you're a stud ad. I love it. Okay. So the next thing he talked about, Maria, was loneliness. Okay. And loneliness as leadership, loneliness in anything, loneliness in your spiritual life, loneliness in your personal life, loneliness in your business. Tell me what loneliness means to you and maybe a season you went through and maybe some words, edification or some tools to help some of our listeners that may be in a season of loneliness. Sure. So I think initially, if I just talk about personally, when I was going through chemo and immunotherapy, I did feel alone, even though I had the love of family and friends. But then I would shift my thoughts, you know, when I was there and I would say, I'm not alone. None of us are. We have God. We have Jesus. We have a spirit team who follows us. And I was blessed to meet this woman who is so connected to the divine And she said that my spirit team is made up of Mother Mary, Mother Teresa, which explains I love children and nurturing, the archangels, Michael, Gabrielle, Raphael, and there's a doctor named Guy. And she guides me through this holistic journey that I'm on. And I will always receive signs when I'm trying something new, a new modality, a new supplement. It will be a butterfly, a dragonfly literally words that appear like on a license plate or an article that pops up about something that I'm thinking. So I just love that divine connection. But I also felt very alone from clients. I chose not to share my story. There was a lot of fear at that time in my life. It was fear of losing them as clients, fear of not getting projects because if she's sick, how can she take care of me? And a lot of my clients are my friends. So I didn't want to worry them, burden them. There were close friends I didn't tell. There were family members that didn't know because I didn't want them to worry about me. And looking back, I realized that I had foregone a lot of love and prayer, but that's where I was. That was my headspace at the time. So I felt very lonely. In fact, you may recall that when I went to compose the chapter, in 21, the anthology that was a bestseller on Amazon, I called you and I said, I'm asked to write this chapter and all my words keep coming to letting go of this story and coming out of how my entrepreneurial spirit really guided me through this whole cancer treatment. And you said to me, let it go, let it go. I remember that dialogue. And the beautiful true words, because from that God has placed so many opportunities for speaking engagements. Like he divinely guided me to write that award-winning website to go on to podcasts, to speak in front of audiences, to empower not only cancer patients, but other people to really see the good and the gratitude in each day. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it was big. It was a big moment for you and I. Well, I remember that. And you were so brave to do that. And it's a real thing. We don't want to tell people, one, we don't want to worry them. Okay. But then you're right. It's our livelihood. 
But I love that you said you forego love and prayer. When we isolate, we deny others the opportunity to stay in our lives and continue to bless us either through donations, bringing a meal, praying, or even hiring us. But that is our natural tendency to kind of shoulder it alone. But it was so beautifully said. But then you also said, but that's where I was right now. So if you're out there and you've done it, we've all done it. When I was younger, before I got back and realized sharing is caring because other people need to know because they look at you from the outside and think, oh, and then the minute you're like, no, 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 this is what's going on. It's not off-putting. It's almost like, oh, you too. And we can really just pour into other people and serve as, as a beacon. So if you're out there and you're thinking, oh my gosh, don't go through this alone. Because as Maria said, there's so Mm -hmm. many people out there just, and when you share with the people that love you, you allow them to be a part of the trial, which really is a blessing for them. It's truly an evolution, truly. And when I think about loneliness now, what it means to me is kind of a little bit spin. It's like being alone. Like I love alone time. Decades ago, I had to feel every minute with an activity or you didn't feel purposeful. You didn't feel like you were doing enough or being enough. Oh, I'm so over that. And my girls, it was so funny. They would say, mom, the only time we see you sit is on the beach or at our pool because you're in motion from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And now I love, like I meditate. This type A plus personality is kind of like a B. (laughs) It's just calming. And it gives you time to drop in. And I encourage you during the work day, especially if you are still working or if your day is really hectic, just stop, just breathe. Just think of three things, three blessings and hold that in your heart. And what does that feel like? And, you know, then take a minute and write those little things down on a piece of paper and put them in a jar. And then when you need a little lift, you just open it, read it. And I guarantee you it will bring a smile on your face all the time. That's a beautiful real way. Yes, have that on your desk. Have that already. Okay, we talked about vision loneliness. Now we're going to talk about weariness. And weariness is we're still flesh and blood. I mean, we have our spirits, we have our souls, we have our resilience, but we are still mere mortals. So can you tell me how you combat weariness and how you stay refreshed and at the top of your game? Always start the day, hand on my heart with the words, I am whole, I am healthy, I am healed. And there's prayer at that time. There's prayer throughout the day. And again, at the end of the day, and not only do you have to say the words, you have to feel it because when you feel what you say and what you think, you create that vibrational energy, that alignment to invite that into your life. So that's so important. And I remember another thing that I learned from your speech was your dad said something to the effect of, you know, most people walk around dead. They don't even realize it. Right. And it's so sad, especially in today's society where there is so much negativity. It's like people are just spiraling in this vortex of negativity promoted by the news and social media. And you can't control that, but we absorb that energy. So there's a clip. His name is Dr. Oh, his name escapes me right now. But if you Google Japanese scientists water experiment, everybody needs to do this. It is fascinating. He showed that the energy around you, the vibration of negativity, mm-hmm. of heavy metal music, of harsh language, harsh words will create toxicity within you. And he took pictures of water crystals. 
So when the water crystals were introduced to kindness and loving words and beautiful instrumental music, they were gorgeous. And when they were introduced to harsh words and negativity, they turned cloudy. And what that made me realize is it's so important with whom you surround yourself with, whether what you're listening to, what your thoughts are, the people around you. So I make sure that environment is very clean and that's what keeps my energy level up and the weariness down. Mm -hmm. And I personally haven't watched the news since 2020. I just find it very heavy. And there's actually a study done that the less news you watch, the happier you will be. I know. My last date was May 8th, 2014. Stop. And I am more informed and more at peace now. I'm like, I just don't. And then I finally just cut the cable. I just had it on, just never watched it. But just in the event someone was on, and I just got rid of that today. I'm like, I don't even want to have this presence in my house. Get this evil box out of here. I can stream what I need to stream. And so I'm feeling pretty excited about that too. But you're absolutely right. That's stinking thinking. And you know they call that an emotional contagion. Your body can catch a disease of the mind. And Norman Vincent Peale said that anxiety and stress has killed more people than every disease ever known to mankind. And so that negativity, wow. that darkness, we're not made for that. No, we're not. Our souls are not made for that. And right. you no, know, sadly, we're just conditioned to be in that fight or flight mode a lot. And when we go to the what if scenarios, the majority of people go to the what if negative. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. really can't see the good and they just go into this, again, this spiral. And yes. it's what that does is just increase your cortisol and your right. negative hormones and it increases your blood pressure. And none of that is good to for your immune system. And so you really have to train your mind to see the good. Mm-hmm. It's a conscious, deliberate decision to choose happy, to find the good and to avoid that negativity. Again, positivity reduces that weariness and Again, that high vibrational energy is created with positive and thoughts of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So when I started treatment, the nurses would say, oh, you're going to be so sick and you're going to have headaches. You're going to have this. And I'm like, why would you even say that to somebody? It's somebody who's not resilient is just going to like, they're just going to make themselves sick because that's what's expected. Right. What? You just spoke it. Yes. Say no, no. So I was incredibly blessed to be very high functioning during the whole time. And what was interesting is like when the IV would start, I just would pray and I would just envision like this golden light just going through my body and really nurturing the sick cells. I did not say kill them. I felt like these poor little cells are just so lost and they're running amok and they just need help. You know, again, that nurturing inside of me. But what was so fascinating about that is when I went through my energy codes training, Dr. Sue Mortar talked about how these positive healing thoughts are really sustaining our innate ability to heal. Mm -hmm. So if you think kill, that doesn't heal. But if you think love and nurturing, that heals. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Because they were once good. Yes. And then they got corrupted. Kind of like us. (laughs) And we need to be made whole and new again, which we will. But oh my gosh, never thought it. But yeah, I just went, for our listeners out there, when people come in and speak things, and I don't care whether it's the, happened to me at the vets this week, and somebody said something and I'm like, no, that's not what's going on. It's so strange. But I love that you talked about that. And that negative thinking, that's 
for the listeners out there, you guys know it. I'm preaching to the choir, but it's called rumination. And when you do kick in that stress and that cortisol and that all the bad, that's how my adrenal gland got shot because all the stress and stuff like that, you run your body down and within a couple of weeks of staying in that negative state, you can actually start flipping into a mental illness, not a genetic coding one, but one that you out of situations put yourself in it. So you know, I tell people, you choose it and weariness, there's good weariness and there's bad weariness, like you said it, but you have to make that conscious choice as a man thinking every thought that enters my own mind, you're the gatekeeper, yay or nay, get out or I'm going to re- or put it on mute because we're never going to stop it. We're living in a fallen world and this is just part of who we are, but you sure can hold it captive and just get rid of it and take that negativity as you did and flip it around to a positive experience. It's so true because those negative thoughts come in. Like, did I ever think I could perish? Absolutely. Sure. Did I think, could I have a reaction to this medicine and possibly die? Of course I did. But the thought came and it went mm-hmm. and then you affirm it with a positive. Like, don't do the what if negative scenario, switch it to the positive. Well, I'm training my two little 10-week-old Aussie babies. (laughs) They're adorable. (laughs) Thank you. And my private trainer came today and she's like, Tracy, and again, I've had many dogs, but there's always something that this old dog can learn with my new babies. (laughs) And she said that when they stop, nope, and then say their name again and do something positive and give them a treat. So you stop that negativity, make a positive action, not just reward them right away for stopping, but nope, stop, give them a new command, treat. And that's kind of what we do with our minds. Nope. I do that all the time. I will hear myself say, no, 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 we're not going there. And for our listeners out there, yeah, I'm pretty positive, but I was one of the biggest ruminators out there. I stressed and worried about everything. You talk about what if negative and in prison ministry, one of the guys looked at me and he said, sounds like you're fixated on what isn't happening. What if the bad happens instead of the what ifs good? And all of a sudden I looked at him and I'm like, thank you, brother. I just wow. can't even hear my own verbal vomit. And he called me on it. And I've been very conscious that my what if is always going to go to the positive side. Yep. Very good advice. All right, Maria. Loneliness, weariness, abandonment is the next one. And abandonment, talking about animals, we hear a lot of fear of abandonment or you're abandoning an animal. But my dad really talked about abandonment as stop doing what you like and want to do in favor of what you ought and need to do. So it's this intense hyper-focus. And I can remember him telling me, I'm like, dad, how'd you get so successful? And he's like, Tracy, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than my success. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, every day, just like those thoughts, you have to be on it. Just really saying, is this the highest use of my time? And even with jettisoning off the busyness And I had that too. I was perpetual motion. I'm multitasking. I'm talking on my Bluetooth. I'm doing this, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, no, I'm like you now. I love that rest and that Sabbath thing is as intentional as anything else. So how do you, with all the things you have going on and as active as you are, how do you deal with abandonment and stay really focused? I have to say the abandonment, like it just resonated with me because I feel as entrepreneurs, And I'm not saying somebody who is salary doesn't think this way, but we just kind of abandon traditional ways of thinking. And we always abandon like old patterns too, because in our businesses, you have to always be evolving. You always have to be growing and looking for ways to improve the process or add a new product or something like that to be able to keep growing. And it was interesting because I really feel my entrepreneurial spirit served me well during my treatment and my healing journey. And I approached the treatment plan like a project. I did research. 
Where's the best place to go? What are the treatment options? And then you hire a great team, right? And then you go in, you get it done, you set your goals, you monitor your progress. So I feel that mindset really helped to kind of have things go a little more smoothly and that resilience, you know, as an entrepreneur. So started in March of 2019, went through treatment to August of 2020. And at that time, that IgM number that we talked about was kind of stable. I mean, it was still very high. It was like in the 3000s, but it had come down from in the 4000s. And what happens with the IgM is it basically crowds out your red cells, your white cells, and your neutrophils, which causes immune issues and then eventually like organ function, but that's not going to happen. So the IgM number is important. When I saw this number just kind of stabilizing in the high 2000s, low 3000s, I was like, I'm done. And they're like, you can't be done. You have another year to do this. And I'm like, I don't know what this immunotherapy long-term effects are. I mean, we're such a rare group. I'm out. Like, just as I took that leap of faith in 1996 with God and myself to launch this business, I'm taking a leap of faith with God and me again and saying, I'm done with traditional treatment. There was a role and it served me very well. But I think that we need that integrative approach where you're encompassing the mind, body, and spirit. And I really feel that what's missing in our medicine. Along the way, I became obsessed with the HEAL, H-E-A-L documentary. It's with Kelly Noonan. And on there was Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I really started to follow him and Dr. Sue Mortar, who are just such thought leaders in the process of self-healing. And everything, again, is done in Jesus's light. But one of the things he said, Dr. Joe, was instead of asking God to be healed, pray to him in thanksgiving that you are. And I was like, whoa, like you're literally creating your reality. It's there. It's yours. Like that's what God wants. Stop thinking that you're ill or need to be healed. You are healed. And that was such a pivotal moment for me. Mm-hmm. And it just was like, wow, incredibly blessed with that. And then I just started down this whole rabbit hole of holistic healing. And I found a local support group, Faith and Gratitude here near Pittsburgh. Hi, Lori Ball, who I think we were soul sisters in a previous life. She's an ovarian cancer survivor. And she turned me on to local practitioners that do like reflexology and acupuncture. And then there's a gentleman named Paul who does a lot of energy healing and he's traveled the world and we call him the Pali Lama. So, hey, Paul. And one of the most profound things Paul said to me was the greatest way to learn is to unlearn. So I was thinking that's amazing because you really need to unlearn all of these limiting beliefs that we've placed on ourselves, that our parents have placed on ourselves, society, like we're so hard on ourselves. And there's this even subconscious things that we don't even know about. So I go for EMDR therapy, which is like the releasing of subconscious because I'm holding on to something and I don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. So I just want to let it all go. But like, wow. So let go. Just, you can't harbor anything. And I don't even feel anxious. I don't feel like I'm holding on to anything. Right. There's something up there. So fascinating. Unlearning. I love how you also advocated for your health. A lot of people like, oh, you mean you can say no to something? I'm like, 
oh yeah, when I go to a doctor or I'm with Mike, they'll be like, well, we'd like to do this, this or that. And I'm like, yes, yes, no. And they're like, you can do that. And I'm like, yes, you read the test, get in your portal. Like you said, do your research. And I'll look at all the numbers and I'm like, yeah, but this is a little high. And I love the fact that you looked at it, but you got to weigh it all out. It's your body. You got to be able to say, say yay or nay, and they don't know. And I love that you really were comfortable in advocating for yourself. That's so important in all things. Yeah. It's so true. And it was really a lesson to learn about using my voice to speak. And I no longer feared, you know, hurting somebody's feelings or stepping boundaries. No, like this is my body. These are my choices. And, you know, I challenged them to have tests done. We're such a small subset and I won't go into all the details, but I used to have to manage some of my blood work. Why am I managing it going to the lab? Just because I'm a subset of a general cancer, like this should automatically be done. So I went to the medical director and we cleaned that policy up. And then I also challenged the protocol for bone marrow because I had a second bone marrow done and they would not allow some of it to go to a different facility for research. And I said, well, I'm canceling the bone marrow. And they go, you can't do that. I go, yeah, I can. I go, and who do I need to talk to? Because if you have somebody willing to share so others can learn, you need to take advantage of that. I know. So where I need to go with this. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I experienced some of that during the last three years with what was going on. I'm like, why don't you want what I have to offer? And they're like, no. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that very strange. But we press on. We press on to find the people that will be open. You get told no by a lot of people. So Maria, how are you feeling now? I am so blessed to feel great. Like I said, my daughter got to see her graduate from both of them from college, one from graduate school, Rachel got married. I'm a Gigi now, like amazing, truly amazing. I have learned to speak for myself. My voice matters. I have learned a lot about self-love and it doesn't have to do with anything being pompous. I think we're taught as young Catholic women that self-love is not a good thing, but it's really about self-worth and knowing that you matter and you have a right and you can speak. And so my mantra for this year is true to me in 23. And I'm very, very blessed. And I continue to advocate for other cancer patients locally, also nationally. Well, the fact you talk about that, and I had to laugh because, you know, I grew up not a nominational background, but the same thing. Being proud is not prideful. Okay. And we are to celebrate our successes. But back in, I'm going rereading all of Paul, the Apostle Paul's letters to the churches. And he keeps saying, nobody's done more than I am, but I boast in my weakness. And so that's what you're doing. And that's what he's doing. He's here to say, I will never shut up because I know through God, when I am weak, he is strong. And so the fact that you're not talking about how successful you are, that's, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, unless you're just out it and money's your main motivator and there's lots of people out there, money can be gone like that, just like health. Yeah. But when you talk about when you are boasting in your weaknesses and how God has taken you through this, I mean, that's what two thirds of the New Testament is all about. So I say brain. And reading his letters has really helped me realize that's why we go through tough stuff and we testify and we're witnesses to share with other people because we're sharing the miracles and the blessings that have happened in our lives. True miracles. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now tell me, you have this choose happy. So tell our listeners a little bit about that and how they incorporate the whole choose happy into their lives. Uh, Well, choose happy is super fun on Facebook and it's still growing. But one of the things that I came up with was it's a gift line and also just blogs, but the word fear. So I turned it into an acronym 
and feel everything all relates. And so I put on a little t-shirt and there's a little butterfly because symbol of evolution, but you just root yourself in feeling that everything all relates. It's really for our soul's evolution, all our trials and tribulations and challenges, no matter how small and even the rewards in life are all about the evolution of our soul divinely orchestrated. Could be why there's a big Bible verse about that. All things work together to good for those who love the Lord or are called according to his purpose. I love it. And then you have a purpose because where people face hope, face despair and wanting to check out, and there's tons of it around, even kids have it now, is because they don't see the purpose in it. And mm-hmm. boy, it can't just find purpose in the joy and not the pain because life is a bittersweet blend of both. And whenever people go, well, I quit. I'm like, do you quit when the good stuff happens? There's this duality of everything. We know there's good. We know there's evil. We know there's light. We know there's dark. You have to get used to being, as Charles would say, happy, miserable, and not just miserable, miserable. <laughs> you know, you have to choose this. So true. It's such a choice. Well, when I was reading your dad's speech, and I have to quote him, so I'm going to use my paper. In the price of leadership, these words were so profound for me. We may not be the greatest recruiters or motivators, but we have to be real students of living if we are to pay the price of leadership. For the price of leadership is really nothing more than really living. And I think that it's so true what you and I just talked about, that every day is an opportunity to learn and evolve. Every encounter with a person, a challenge, a reward, an illness is just an opportunity for our soul's evolution. And, you know, as a mom, a Gigi, a business lady, I'm a living testament to what faith and love, hope and resilience means. Incredibly blessed. I love it. Well, Maria, I am so glad that our paths re-intersected at this time in our lives. We are very different people than when we first met, even when we met, what, five years ago, four years ago. And how can our listeners get in touch with you? We'll have this in the show notes, but what's the best way to reach out? Because I know they're going to want to connect with you. You can visit ichosehappy.live. And I'm also on Facebook. My blog is under Feel the Vibe. And the little gifts that I have, you could find under Buy the Goodies and Proceeds to Benefit Faith and Gratitude and the Waldenstrom's Foundation. And you can email me at behappy at ichosehappy.live. I love it. Maria, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, Let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.